You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Yes. So we're in a new series. Um, the new series that we're talking about, we're talking about the names of God, and we've been just really kind of walking through. People ask, how do you begin to grow in Christ? And we, we're actually going through the names of God and names of what God identifies in. If you want to go deeper, one of the best ways to go deeper in your relationship, go deeper as, as a believer, um, we believe this, that you have to begin to identify who Christ is. And we know that Jesus is, is all that we need, right? We don't need anything else. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. You know, we have our, our assurance and our peace and our, and our, and our salvation lies in, in Jesus Christ. But I say this, there's so much more about Jesus that we don't know. And so for last week, we begin to really talk about, begin to identify the names of Jesus Christ and the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to continue in that today. And so we know that when we say the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why are we saying that holy is God's name? Why are we saying because his name is set apart from everyone else? He's a God that is set apart from everyone else. He's better than Buddha. He's better than Muhammad and all of that. So, you know, we believe in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. But why are names so important? We, we talked about that last week. Like, why are names so important? We believe that the names of God, just, even just names, are important because they give a historical reference. Last week, I talked about being a person of color. If I can just be transferred, being a black person, I mean, you know, newsflash, I'm black. Amen? It's okay. <laughs> Felicia has the best thing next to, next to sliced breads, which is me, chocolate milk. Amen? High five me. Amen? That's right. Call on his name. Yes. And so what we have to believe is this. Why are names so important? We talked about this last week where growing up, um, we began to know just the history of slavery, right? And we talked about in slavery when, when slaves begin to have the emancipation of their, their, their slavery being, being emancipated. The names of free men and new men was secured. And we talked about last week when they said free men, Slaves took the, 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 traditionally the slaves took the names of their, their slave masters. But when the emancipation of them being free slaves, they took the name free men. And so when you see a person from free men or new men, we talked about last week, this is where the history of the names came and came to place. We talked about the names of Isaiah and, and, and Jeremiah and Joseph and all of those different names that we begin to talk about, the, the critical importance of why names are so important. We want to just kind of talk about that again today. We talked about how names are reveal who God is and what God desires for us to become. And even in that, we talked about the names being an experience of who Christ is by himself. We talked about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my refuge. We talked about how Jehovah Jireh is the Lord my provider. We talked about Jehovah Rapha, that God is able to heal you. These are just some of the names that we begin to identify who Christ is, what God wants us to begin to really begin to lean into who he is. In Judges chapter 6, verses 23 and 24, the scripture says this. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Verse 24 says this. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. This is one of the first places that we see in Scripture where we see that where God calls himself Jehovah Shalom. 
And why is that? If we look at Judges, and, and I taught on this a few weeks back, when we looked at Judges, Gideon was a mighty warrior that God has called upon him to really lead the, the Israelites into, into war, into battle. And then I begin to ask myself, why did, why did God give Gideon this name? Why did he reveal himself so much to the point that he says, I am the Lord, the God of peace? Gideon was challenged to remind the Israelites, the Israelites about the God who brought them out of Egypt because the Israelites began to get beside themselves. You know, God brought them out, took them through the wilderness. They took them, he, he took them out. He delivered them out of the hands of, of Pharaoh. And then the Israelites began worshiping other gods. And God is saying, have you lost your mind? Have you forgotten what I've done for you? And so Gideon was challenged to go and say, look, this is what I need you to do. This is what I need you to remember. Let me, let me, let me say this. There's a picture that's on a, on a projector real quick. I want to pop that up. Y'all see it? Y'all know the story, right? Matthew, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus. Jesus is knocked out like just sleep, right? He's gone. He's in a good, good sleep. And the disciples are about to lose their mind because they're like, Jesus, oh my gosh, you know, this is stormy. We're about to crash. We're about to, you know, we're about to, we're all about to die. Now keep in mind, these disciples, some of them, many of them were fishermen. So they've seen a storm before. So this storm had to be so invasive to the point where they thought they were going to lose their life. But what happened? They forgot. They forgot what Jesus had done all the way through chapter 8 of Matthew and chapter 4 of Mark. They forgot about how Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. They, they forgot that Jesus just healed a man with leprosy. They forgot that Jesus just, just healed another person through a Roman centurion by he said, just speak the word about healing and then that person would be healed. They forgot about how Jesus just got through casting out spirits just moments ago. Jesus tells the disciples that we have to go to the other side, so we have to get in a boat to go to the other side. They encounter a storm, and they lose their minds. So why is that important? Many of us have forgotten what God has told us that he's going to do, and we're losing our mind. We're losing our hope. We're losing our peace, and most importantly, we forgot who Jesus is. What did Jesus say to that storm? He said, peace, be still. And that's so important. That's, that's, let's not read the scripture so fast that we forget those, those, the word, those very intimate words. He said, peace, be still. Jesus wanted to remind the disciples that the giver of peace is among you, even in the presence of a storm, even to the point where you think your life is going to be taken. He said, peace, be still. And this is just a bonus. Y'all, many of us, when we sleep at night and there's a storm that's going through and you wake up the next morning, that's some of the best rest you ever have, right? Amen? Amen. Why is it that we can get some of the best sleep, best rest in the, in the presence of a storm? Come on, church. In the presence of a storm, you're telling me that you can wake up being refreshed? 
In the presence of a storm, you tell them that you can come back and say, God, you have, you have given me just enough, enough what I need to carry on the next day. God wants to remind you that even in the midst of a storm, that peace you can have. So if you don't know already, the title of my message is The God of Peace. The God of Peace. There's an aspect of our peace, I believe, that is connected to our hope. Think about it. There's an aspect of our peace that is connected to the hope that we have in Christ. And what do you mean? You show me somebody who doesn't have peace, and I'll tell them where they don't have hope. You tell me or give me someone who's, who's struggling to walk in a posture of peace. And I can tell you where they've lost hope. So I believe this. Now, hope is not peace, but peace has an element of hope. How quick do we forget what God has brought us through? And to really lay the foundation for our lesson today, well, let's, I want to turn to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to lift up verses 13 through 32. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. And our head pages turn, so I'm going to give you a second to, to get there. This is a very familiar story, and this is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This particular story is only accounted through, um, I call him Pastor Luke, Uncle Luke, um, Bishop Luke, whatever you want to call him. This is Apostle Luke. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32, and this is an account where Luke is recording a journey to the road of Emmaus. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a town named Emmaus. It is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were, where they were, they were talking everything that had happened the day before. While they were talking and discussing these things, Jesus himself came near and walked with them. But the two men were not allowed to recognize Jesus. He asked them, What's the I hear you discussing with each other as you walk? The two men stopped. Their faces were looking very sad. The one named Cleopas said, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who, who does not know what just happened here. Jesus said, What are you talking about? They said, it's about Jesus, the one from Nazareth to the God and all the people who was a great prophet. He said, and did many powerful things, but our leaders and the leading priests handed him over to be judged and killed. They were nailed him to a cross. We were hoping that he would be the one to free Israel. But then all of this happened, and now something else. It has been three days since he was killed, but today some of our women told us an amazing thing. Earlier this morning, they went, to, when they went to the tomb where the body of Jesus had laid, but they did not find his body there. They came and told us they had seen some angels in a vision. The angels told them Jesus was alive, verse 24. So some of our group went to the tomb. It was just as the woman said. They saw the tomb but they did not see Jesus. And I'm going to stop right there. 
So let me just paraphrase what this story is talking about. You have two men walking down a road. Let's say just Main Street and High Point. If you're in Greensboro, it's Main Street and Greensboro. If you're in Thomasville, it's Main Street and Thomasville. Every street, every city has a Main Street. Amen? So these two men are walking down a street, and they're talking about what's just taking place. And I can hear, you know, they're talking about the baptism and different things. And so, like, Jesus was baptized and doing this and doing that. And I can hear them doing this. And they're debating about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about it, church. They're debating if the resurrection really took place. See, we can debate everything else in Christianity. We can debate about speaking in tongues. We can debate about baptism. Is it full submersion? Is it sprinkle, sprinkle, whatever you need to do? We can talk about what colors you want to paint the church. We can debate about that. We can debate about if women should wear dresses or or pants in church if it's not allowed. We can even debate about if women should wear makeup in church. Personally, I think it's a sin not to, but amen. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Keep it holy, Pastor. Keep it holy. The point is this. They're debating about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. (laughs) That's one thing we don't have to debate about. That's one thing that we should never debate about as believers. That we know that our faith lies solely in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, 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 that's right all day long, twice on Sunday, six times throughout the week, every day of the week, 365 days a year. We know that salvation alone sits with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as they're walking seven miles, they're, 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 they're having this conversation that says, you know, what, Jesus, you know, they're talking to Jesus. Jesus walks up in them like he's talking to Jesus like you're talking about me, but I'm going to let you finish talking about me. They're like, yeah, Jesus was this guy who raised the dead. He walked on water. He fed 5,000 men, which makes about 20,000 people. He, he, you know, he was crucified by Pilate. And, you know, they're talking about what just took place. And even Judas, Judas sold him out. His boy Peter ran off and he left him hanging. This is a conversation that they're having down the street talking about Jesus himself. And Jesus allows them to talk about it. But what's startling is in verse 21, it says this. We were hoping that he would be the one to set Israel free. We were hoping. We were hoping that he was the one, that he was the one that the Old Testament talked about. So let me, let me make it personal then. We had hope when we became Christians that, you know what, I may stop drinking. I was hoping that when I became a Christian, I won't have that struggle anymore. I was hoping when I became a Christian that life would be a little bit easier. I was hoping that when I gave my life to Christ that that serving in the kingdom of God would be a lot easier, but you know what's harder? I was hoping that serving God, serving Jesus, would allow me to find the person that I want to marry. I was hoping that the struggles that I face every day, day in and day out, that, that I would no longer have to struggle in that anymore, but yet I am still struggling. I was hoping that giving my life to Christ was set me free from this addiction. 
we were hoping that he was the one. Jeremiah 17 says this, Blessed in the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says that the hope we have is the anchor of our soul. The hope that we have, the peace that we have is the very anchor of our soul. First Peter tells us in chapter 3 that we should be, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. The hope that you have of Jesus Christ, that we should be able to, to tell the world about who Jesus is. We were hoping he was the one. Truth be told that all of us someday will have a walk on the road of Emmaus. That we were hoping that, that Jesus, this is what's going to take place. That Jesus, that this, this is what life's looked like as being a believer. That's why Luke does not name but one person on this journey. Think about it. Anytime you read scripture and the name is, is not told, the writer intentionally puts that there so that way you can place your name in that space. Scripture says that Cleopas and another were walking down the road of Emmaus. Cleopas and Mark. Cleopas and Felicia. Cleopas and Dwayne. Cleopas and Nancy. Cleopas and Ryan. Whatever your name may be, put your name in that place where Cleopas was walking down the road of Emmaus having hope and still yet have doubt. We had a hope. He was the one. And guess what happens? Jesus shows up right when hope was lost. Jesus shows up right when you need that peace. Jesus wanted to remind them that I am Jehovah Shalom, the God, the Lord, the deliverer, the giver of peace. So you may be asking, how can I, how can I obtain this, this peace? I'm going to tell you how. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. It says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't stress. Don't stress about it. God has a plan already mapped out for you. You just have to walk in it. He's telling you, don't even, don't even worry about what's taking place today because I already have today figured out. You know what? I got tomorrow figured out too. You know what? I have the day after that taken care of as well. I have your next year taken care of for you as well. So stop trying to worry how you're going to have a six-year plan, a 10-year plan. Ryan, come on now, church. 
Y'all know me. I'm so much of a type A that I had to have a plan. I'm marking it out. I'm like, I'm a 20-year plan person. Felicia's be asking me why I'm so far down the road because I'm a visionary. But yet, God has already mapped out a plan. Early this week, um, sometimes I moonlight at one of my friend's hotels, and um, I serve there um, as a guest service representative of the country of the nations of Hampton Inn by Greensboro Airport. Shout out, Hampton Inn. <laughs> Quick plug, if y'all need room for your family members, just come out. We'll get you some good rates. Amen. <laughs> and this past week, I was reminded by um, a young lady by the name of Simran. And Simran, man, just the bundle of joy that she's man, she comes into the hotel skipping and hopping and jumping and just, she don't have a stress in the world. And Simran reminded me of the slogan of Toys R Us. Y'all remember that slogan, right? I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Y'all remember that? And this, this is what it says. From bikes to trains to video games, it's the biggest toy store there is. I don't want to grow up because, baby, if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. More games, more toys. Oh, boy, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. In that moment, Simran reminded me that we shouldn't stress about life. Out of a babe, she taught me to lay everything down that my tomorrow is already taken care of, and my yesterdays is already in, in yesterdays. Stress will cause you to lose your peace. Scripture says to, to be anxious for anything, for nothing. And in the Greek, that word anything, watch this. It says it's anything, man, or woman. Some of us need to write some people off. This is real talk. Because your stress is coming from other people. It says don't be stressing about anybody, anyone, or anything. But in every situation by prayer. So let me, let me, let me give you this. We need to pause and pray. God wants us to pause and pray, to be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, every situation that you may find yourself in, God is asking you, did you have you pause and pray? I need you to be still and pray. I need you to take a break from that person, that individual, that thing, and pray. I need you to stand still in that moment and pray. I need you to cease what you're doing and position yourself in front of me and pray. But he says this as well. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition. Jesus wants us to ask for what he wants, what you desire so he can give it to you. James tells us this, you have not because you ask not, and you did not receive it because you were wrong. You asked wrongly. He said your motives were wrong. He said because what you're asking for, you just want to fulfill your flesh. 
versus my kingdom and my purpose. So when you align your asking, my provisions will mobilize things for you to move my, my, my kingdom forward. So if you haven't caught on this already, there's a formula to having this hope and this peace. It says, to be anxious for nothing but in prayer, plus petitioning, plus thanksgiving, equals peace. Y'all see that? If you don't believe me, let me read the scripture one more time. Do, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petitioning with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So prayer, petitioning, plus thanksgiving will equal your peace. So let me land this plane real quick. I want you to write this down. That perfect peace is found in patiently waiting. Perfect peace is found in patiently waiting. Or we can say this, patiently abiding in Christ. Let me, let me, let me finish up this story in Luke chapter, chapter 24. Luke says this, that same day, two of Jesus' followers was going to a town named Emmaus. It is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about everything that happened. We were hoping that he would be the one to set Israel free. It says this, Early this morning, they went to the tomb where they found the body that was laid, but they did not find the body there. What happened? They left the place where Jesus had told them to wait. Oh, y'all missing it. Earlier, before, before Jesus got crucified, he was in the upper room with his disciples, and he told his disciples for them to wait. And that he will send another. Oh, I'm about to piece it together. Come on, church. They have left the place where Jesus has told them to wait. They've left Jerusalem. <laughs> they left Jerusalem when things got ugly. They left Jerusalem when confrontation began. The disciples got few. The people started calling them and asking them, why are you still there? When conflict comes to, to you, when it meets you at, the, at, the, at, the, at your doorstep, do you abide and wait or do you retreat and leave? I'm going to find out where all my Pentecostal and Baptist folk are at real quick. Watch this. Verse 21 says this, we were hoping that he would be the one to set Israel free, but then all of this happened, and now something else, it has been three days since 
he was killed. It had been three days. Y'all missing it. It had been three days, church. That's one Baptist person over there. (laughs) They left on the third day. Church, we don't quit on the third day because we know that Jesus was crucified on Friday. Then they put him in a bower tomb that evening. He laid down Friday night. He laid down Friday and Saturday, but a third day, come on church, he got up. The disciples left on the third day. The disciples did not want to wait. Mm, Y'all missing it. Perfect peace is found in patiently waiting. So let me say one more time that on the third day, when they left, they left the promise. They left the resurrection. Because on the third day, our Savior got up that Sunday morning with all power, with all authority in his hands. Perfect peace is found in abiding, patiently waiting. Jesus is an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. As our worship team makes their way up front, I want to just remind us today, as we look at the lesson from Luke and Jeremiah and all the scriptures that we have today, John writes in John chapter 14 this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. He says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, but I, as I give. Many of us trying to find our peace in other people. Many of us trying to find our peace in other things. Many of us trying to find our peace in the next boo. Translated girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you want to call him or her. We trying to find our peace in something that's substituted. But there's only one author of peace. And that peace is Jesus. as we stand we're going to close out with the song to remind you today to wait on the Lord that if you're willing to wait that whatever God has for you I promise you you can tap into it that God wants us to pause and pray He wants you to present your petition. Be thankful 
but also trust him and trust his timing. Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.